So I love working with amazing talent, especially with the clients that I serve. So often I'll work with them and potentially help them get to a better place. And let me just give you some context. So often people want to put together their best subject matter expertise, present it to their colleagues and expecting a particular result. And then I find they get frustrated and then they lose their confidence and then just say, oh, they're being difficult or I don't think I can do this. But one of the things that I have found that is missing, and Karen Hurt, who is my guest this week, reminds us that it's not just what we know and what we're communicating or cascading to our people that's important, but there is always an and factor, A-N-D, and. And Karen is eloquent in the way she explains it. But in the context of this one particular client that I was helping, we were getting ready to deliver a presentation and the data and information was spot on. But then I asked, have we communicated this previously to them and gotten their buy-in? And they said, no, we simply gave them the information. So I said, we're missing the and understanding of what we're trying to do. And then I said, how good is your relationship with this person? Have you ever had a one-on-one really to get to know them? I understand you're having challenges. And they said, no, I just assumed because of their role, they would do the right thing. And I said, oh, we've missed an opportunity for the relationship. So quick lesson, again, this is part of my C-Suite Academy, just making sure we not just communicate information, but message it in the right way. We share information and we seek to assure understanding and do it based on a trusting relationship. So there is always something in addition and to whatever we're doing. So just think about that as we move into this soundbite from this amazing conversation with Karen Hurt. And I just want to thank you in advance for staying for the entire episode. You won't want to miss it. We call it landing in the and. Having an audacious vision and real clarity and confidence and speaking up and speaking your truth and fostering collaboration up, down, and sideways, getting to know the people that you're working with as genuine human beings, showing up with compassion and focusing on the relationships and being humble. So we talk about confidence and humility results and relationships. And if you can land in the and of those four, that is the sweet spot. But if you pause and you're heading into a really difficult scenario, maybe a really tough conversation you have to have, or you have to stand up for something that's right, you say, how do I approach this situation in this moment right now with confidence that I can handle this and the humility to know I might not know the whole story here and say, I want my outcomes to get the results that we need and maintain the relationship. And you will put that filter on anything that you must accomplish. It will slow you down to do the right thing. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. 
Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am grateful that you've joined us on another episode of the podcast. Week after week, I get introduced to amazing leaders, learn from them, and also share their insights with you. I sincerely hope if you like this, please rate, review, subscribe, tell others the downloads have been increasing every month for which I am grateful. This episode has been brought to you by Illumination Partners, where we help C-suite leaders take control of their careers and get promoted. But I would love to introduce you now to my amazing guest, Karen Hurt. Karen helps human-centric leaders resolve workplace ambiguity and chaos so that they can drive innovation, productivity, and revenue without burning out employees. She is the founder and CEO of Let's Grow Leaders, an international leadership development and training firm known for practical tools and leadership development programs that stick. And she is the award-winning author of four books, including Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And there is a lot more to her story that we're going to talk about. But first, I would like to welcome you onto the show, Karen. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So Karen's been introduced to me and we, I have looked through all of her work. Her work is so aligned to that, which I am doing as well. She is focused on human-centric leaders. The old ways of command and control no longer serve us. And I too have been trying to serve the aspiring C-suite leaders as well as coach CEOs who are off track. So her work is so relevant, but I am curious to learn about her insights and I hope you'll enjoy it as well. But first, it's about people and sometimes the work that you do. And you're very proud of some of the work that you do through Winning Wells and your work in Cambodia. I would love to know more how you got into that because it sounds so interesting and so full of passion. Uh, well, thank you so much. It was interesting. You know, as we were building Let's, Let's Grow Leaders Out, we were really saying we needed to have a giving back component to it. And we had just published our first book, which was called Winning Well. And uh, we were working with an organization uh, called Together We Can Change the World. And we're thinking there might be a similar way to partner with them. And they were sharing all the things they did. And they said, well, we help, we build these wells, clean water wells in Cambodia. I'm like, Winning wells. That's what we need to do. We need to build winning wells in Cambodia. So every time we do a keynote or a long-term leadership development program, we donate wells on in honor of our clients. So I, I believe we have about 120 in the ground so far. And it was so nice because we had an opportunity to go to Cambodia and visit the families and see some of these wells. And such a powerful experience. You know, we, we take clean water for granted here. And just the impact that a well can have on a family and a community in terms of their health, in terms of their finances, because now they can water gardens and be able to sell lemons and grow chickens. And it makes all the difference in the world. So uh, it's been a really important thing that we've been doing. Our clients love it. You know, we send them pictures of their well once it's built. And it's, it's just, it's a nice thing that we've enjoyed doing. You know, that something like that sincerely differentiates your company from others because there are, fortunately or unfortunately, there is a need for many leadership development entities, but doing it with a cause and a purpose is so noble. And another question, how has it transformed you? Because you are transforming communities, but in the process, how has it impacted you? 
you know, I really, that trip was incredibly impactful uh, because people are, when you think about Cambodia, there's hardly a country that's been through as much as that, you know, in the, and the level of poverty. And yet when you go and you have, I had to talk through a translator, but the, the conversations, the gratitude, the families, the, the interests, the multi-generations working together to do the very best that they can under still very, very trying conditions. It's incredibly, you know, it's incredibly powerful to even be able to be invited into their homes and, and talk with them. It gives you perspective. We all feel like we've been through a heck of a lot this last couple of years, and we have. We have. And uh, it can be even harder, I guess, is one way to think about that. So, you know, the message I take away from this, whether it's the technical work or how we serve our community, leaders can do work. They can lead people towards achieving certain business goals and objectives and maybe have some fun along the way. But I often talk in some of my work is about leaving a legacy because it's not just the work now that you do, but how have you impacted the customer, the consumer, the people that you lead? What memory will you leave with them? That's really the work that we should do. And Winning Wells sounds like it's impacted so many people. But this is now about you, your time. I would love for you to share a little bit more with our listeners, your journey, as well as the work that you're doing now in developing leaders. Well, thank you so much. So, you know, before founding Let's Grow Leaders eight years ago, I was at Verizon for two decades. And uh, the first decade was leadership development, organizational development. I like to say I did every job in HR except compensation. And then I moved into a variety of field assignments. So I led a 2200 person sales team, a 10,000 person customer service organization. And the reason I share that is because everything we teach and do is absolutely grounded in that. It's grounded in reality. It's not a lot of theory. It's incredibly practical. And, uh, you know, my last role at Verizon was leading our outsourced call center function. So basically all the BPOs, all the call centers that were taking Verizon's calls that weren't Verizon employees. So you can imagine that's a, that's a tricky environment in terms of leadership development and uh, getting people and culture. And what I was finding is Verizon had ramped up these call centers and worked with these other companies extremely quickly because they all of a sudden started selling the iPhone. So it tells you, takes you back a little bit. They weren't ready to do that. So they outsourced all these calls, this giant influx. Well, you can't, and you know this from a quality perspective, you can't go build a call center from zero to 500 in three weeks and expect great quality, right? Because the infrastructure is not there. The supervisors aren't there. And so what we, I was finding is I was going into these companies and even though I was their client, I was saying, let's look at your culture. Let's look at employee engagement. How are we going to train and develop your reps when you have limited time offline? And I was finding myself telling the same stories, trying to take, give them really practical, easy to use tools that they could do right away to help improve their results through culture, leadership, supervision, effective coaching. And as I was doing that, I started writing a blog because people were asking, you know, I, I was finding I was telling the same story. So I was writing a blog for these outsourced call centers. I didn't expect other people to really be reading this blog, but that's how blogs work, right? You know, people just find you. And so I started getting all these calls. Oh, when are you writing your book? Are you, can you come be our keynote speaker? You know, could you do some consulting for our company? And I had this executive job and I'm like, no, I can't do that. 
So then one day, one of my uh, BPO clients was uh, on the committee for the International Customer Service Association conference. And he calls, he's like, just come keynote. We can't pay you. You can't accept the money anyway. Just come. I'm like, all right, let's do that. That would be fun. So I keynote to this conference. I get off the stage and the next speaker was Chef Hyken, who is a Hall of Fame keynote speaker. He says to me, when are you leaving Verizon? I said, what do you mean? When am I leaving Verizon? Did I say that from the stage? Because I was so nervous. I didn't know what I had said. And he said, "Uh, no, you're clearly meant to do this. This is your calling. And so I took that seriously and started thinking about it. And I went back and I gave Verizon four months notice. So nothing would fall apart. And I founded Let's Grow Leaders. And I haven't looked back. It's been quite a journey along the way. And so now we work with companies really all over the world and across a variety of industries on very practical tools and techniques to lead well, we like to say, without losing your soul, without burning yourself out or burning out your employees in the process. There's so much in that. So thank you for sharing that. A couple of things that you said really resonated with me. And I talk a lot about this on the podcast as well as in my book. It is necessary to go through rapid transformation in business. The environment is changing. You want to capture that market share. You must do that. And we have to work quickly to get the systems, the infrastructure in place. But that is wrought with problems as well. I talk about in my book, when doing that, you need to spend time understanding the the culture that exists or where you need it to move to because in the doing so, you're paying respect to the people. You're asking questions about what do they need to succeed? What talents are they bringing to the table? So do not pass go unless you understand the people that you're dealing with first, human-centric, and then providing them the people, process, platforms, whatever coaching they need, helping to understand the interactions with the customer or themselves, and then anchoring these new skills. So there is a lot of people development that is probably more important than that ramping up fast. But sometimes we see the numbers, we want to see the results, but as you experience, it was challenging. You needed to get to meet the skills that they needed in order to be successful. So really important, but the interesting thing was, what was it that flipped the switch? You said in your head for a moment after that keynote, I can't do that. And then all of a sudden you said I could. That's really important for leaders to either hear those signals from the universe and then make the conscious decision to say I can't to moving it to I can. What was that like for you? You know, I just started to imagine what my future would look like if I did that because I love, I love leadership development. I always have. And I knew, you know, I just knew that it would be fun. And I knew, and the other thing is I knew I could make an impact because it was making, we had turned around all those call centers. So I knew it would work. Now, what I didn't know was whether I could deal with the business aspect of it. Because it's one thing to be an executive when you have all of the power of a Fortune 10 company behind you, right? You've got all that infrastructure. Then to go out and be an entrepreneur is very different. I wasn't sure about that. But I think part of where I got the confidence from is that across my career, I had done a lot of different kind of weird leaping. Like I moved from being an HR person with a small 20-person team to leading you know, call centers, which I had never done before, then to leading sales teams that I had never sold before, to leading outsourcing. And I thought, you know, that was, I had to learn new things then. Maybe I can learn new things now. It was funny because every single person at Verizon, all my mentors, my boss, 
care. Nobody leaves a job like this. Like you are so set. Why would you walk away from this level of compensation? Basically, that was a question, right? Like, but you know, it's not just about the money and it's been, it's worked out fine, you know, and, but it was, you know, the first year was not fine financially. The first year was, was rocky. It was roller coastery, but you know, and so you have to be prepared for that level of, of risk, but it worked out now. And it's been hard though. I mean, I, I've never worked harder in my life and I worked hard before. So. Our stories are so similar here because it's really interesting. Again, you have to flip the switch. I can because I'm resourceful and I'll figure it out. So that's really strong. I too, I uh, didn't know anything about running a business and my husband has been doing it for years. Like he stays out of my business, but occasionally he says, Deb, you might want to think about this. But it's, it's that courageousness. And then, you know, where do I fit in? But you figured it out. Now you said it was a roller coaster. And I too financially have had a roller coaster. When did it be start becoming sustainable where you said, okay, this thing is starting to hum along. This is sustainable. I can depend on the revenue streams and it's becoming what I expected it to be or something different. And it's just going. Tell me about that. I would say it took three years, believe it That's or the not. magic number. That's where I'm at. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, uh, and it was interesting. So I kind of had a false sense of security at the beginning because pretty early in, I got this enormous client and I was doing so much work. And tragically, I mean, the CEO died uh, suddenly and it was horrible because he, he had become an incredibly good friend of mine and it was 75% of my income. But I was so busy with them that I wasn't working on building the business. And so I think that is, you know, diversifying your portfolio is a really important lesson that I learned along the way there because the new CEO who took over was not a human centric leader. <laughs> so I was not, uh, he knew immediately. I knew, I knew when I walked into the funeral that I was fired. I could, you know, when I saw the new CEO, I just couldn't see a look on his face. And uh, I had traveled to this funeral. I'm like, oh, this is not good. You know, I think that is a lesson learned that, you know, you've got to be working in the business. And they always say working in the business and on the business at the same time. And so as I was ramping up through those three years, that was, it was good. And then that got rocky and then it got stay. And then I said, okay, never can I have one client be that much of my work. And I diversified. And that's when it stabilized. Now, David, my husband and business partner would say, at this moment, stable would be a strong word because we are growing so fast. We have so much work. We now are at a pivot point where we've got to figure out what we're going to do next because we're working too hard. We're too, too long, too much. We need to bring on employees. We need to bring on new products because everything right now is being facilitated by us. And there are days that we deliver five different programs in one day, and that's too much. So that's a really key lesson, even as leaders, even the people that you develop, they start getting the skills they need, they're seen, heard, and respected. More work comes their way, they get what they want. And then you get to these breaking points again to say, oh, now, what resources do I need to be sustainable as well as grow? And so kudos to you for having that awareness, realizing you need a few more smart people around you to be able to serve others. So really, really important point to know when to ask for help. <laughs> so what I love about your website, you clear and plain talk about two passions. And I would love for you to share a little bit more about this because it feels like it's pivotal or core to the work you're doing. 
You talk about your passions are convincing leaders. You can get the results without losing your humanity. And secondly, giving them the practical skills to make change and make it stick. So tell me more about why these are so essential and why you're so passionate about it. Well, because over the course of my career, I, and so did David, saw people seeming like they had to make a choice. Well, either I can be really aggressive and get the results, or I can be really nice. And we call it landing in the and, because having an audacious vision and real clarity and confidence and speaking up and speaking your truth, that's you know, the confidence and focus on results and fostering collaboration up, down, and sideways, getting to know the people that you're working with as genuine human beings, showing up with compassion and, and focusing on the relationships and being humble. So we talk about confidence and humility, results and relationships. And if you can land in the and of those four, that is the sweet spot. And so, you know, we say, you know, we're not going to be able to teach you a tool for every single situation you're ever going to encounter. But if you pause and you're heading into a really difficult scenario, maybe a really tough conversation you have to have, or you have to stand up for the, something that's right. You say, how do I approach this situation in this moment right now with confidence that I can handle this and the humility to know I might not know the whole story here that I got to listen and pay attention to what else is going on. And say, I want my outcomes to get the results that we need and maintain the relationship. And you apply that to any, you put that filter on anything that you must accomplish. It is amazing how you can, it will slow you down to do the right thing. So that's really the, you know, that landing in the end and that confidence and humility that we talk about. I would love to react to that if I may, before we move on to your other key principle here, because just today. I was get. I'm on a new project, and I've got some amazing people, but they're like going so fast, and I have the ultimate accountability for the outcome. And I'm still new on the project. I needed to have a strong conversation with the individual that ultimately enabled us to be moving forward together. I could have assumed the person was arrogant. They don't care about authority. They're just going to do what they want to do and go rogue. And I have to reel them in. But I started from a place of just simply saying. You're doing amazing work. I'm trying to keep up with you. I don't want to get in your way, but I just want to make sure I also need to make sure we stay true to the process along the way. So I just want to make sure that we have these roles that are in collaboration with each other. And it was an amazing result. He understood what I needed out of the relationship and the project. I understood why he was doing what he did. And at the end, it was like, ooh, okay, we're going to be tied at the hip now. We better stay in touch because we depend on each other. A great result, but sometimes if you're stuck in a certain mindset, making misconceptions about who the person is and why they act the way they do. It was interesting. I was interviewing someone on my Asking for a Friend show, and she said, her name is Jeff Pettit, and she says, what if you came to every conversation assuming the person was wise? And I thought, that is an interesting way to think about that. Now, they may or may not be wise, but if you at least give them the benefit of doubt that they might be wise, you're going to have a different response. And I think that's showing up with confidence and humility. Amazing. Love that point. But I would also love to go to the other area, your other core principle about helping the leaders make changes and making them stick. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we're very focused on is really practical and 
it, it was interesting. So we really have two levels of curriculum. We have our winning well curriculum, which is more foundational, setting clear expectations, minding the MIT, how do you have tough conversations? And then we have our courageous cultures curriculum, which is really how do you tap into the best ideas and thinking of all your employees? And it was interesting because I, for a while, I was thinking, okay, well, our winning well curriculum is for the managers. And the courageous cultures is for the executives. And that was really, I had that in my mind. But as I was working with even more and more executive teams, and they would call and say, we need courageous cultures. We read your book, Courageous Cultures. I would get in there, have the conversation. I'm like, first, they need some of these fundamental stuff. Setting clear expectations, checking for understanding that people have those expectations, communicating things that are important five times, five different ways. And you know, scheduling the finish for things, which as a, you know, all the project work so vital. And yet not everybody does that. And so, you know, I think that one of the things that we've really learned is don't assume that people have mastered some of these fundamentals just because of their roles. And uh, it was interesting because for a while I was teaching early on, I was, I don't have time to do this anymore, but it was really fun when I, well, it lasted was I was teaching in an MBA program. I won't tell you which school because here's what happened. Uh, the dean came to me and said, you know what we're finding in our overall program is that our students are going out and doing their first internship and they're getting in trouble because they don't have the right communication skills. They don't have some of these foundational. I'm like, well, isn't that in your curriculum? She's like, no, we teach all the advanced stuff, but we're not teaching the fundamentals. And that's a shame. So then I started doing research and it wasn't just the school. It was that was a foundational problem in most MBA programs. So I ended up, she hired me to teach it in their orientation so that at least people could get it before they started. So, you know, I think that's one of the things. And then I think by the time you get into an executive role, sometimes you're afraid to admit you need that level of leadership training. And depending on the organization, they said, well, he's getting the results. He's got the highest sales numbers. We'll just deal with that. Oh, and they're, oh, they're just that way. So we're actually become enablers of behavior for which they've never been coached on certain behaviors that can even more positively impact the organization. Your work is so relevant in the CEO's compass. I also talk about purpose and performance. So leaders may have a clearly defined purpose. It's up on the wall. I did the PowerPoint with you and we're going to measure performance in terms of did you get that sales number? Did you reduce the cost or something like that? And I say nay to that. I said, that's just a lagging indicator. What you should be doing is making sure your people, one, understand the purpose of what we're doing, their role aligned to that purpose, and then additionally, what skills do they need to enable that they have the capability and capacity to achieve that purpose? And what if you work on the skills of the people, they know that technical stuff, but close the gap in being influential, resolving problems, resourceful, interacting with others, you'll find little by little those results will start coming when you focus on the performance of the people and their capability. And that's what gets you to peace of mind that things are starting to run the way they're supposed to. So I love, love, love your work. You are amazing. And I want people to know more about your work and how you can serve them. So I'd love if you would share maybe some closing thoughts, but also maybe some resources they can use now to help elevate their career or maybe leverage with their employees. Okay, terrific. So we always say, be the leader you want your boss to be. And you know, if you do that and show up with confidence and humility, focus on results and relationships, you're, you're going to be doing good. So that's, I, that's the final thought. 
And I'd love to leave your listeners with some some tools because you know we've done some extensive research uh, with the University of North Colorado as preparation for our courageous cultures about why people don't speak up and share their ideas. And I've turned those into some tools to help you speak up and share your ideas. So what I'll send you, Jeb, is the uh, link to the first couple chapters of the book, and then also our idea incubator guide, which are some of the tools that we use to help leaders position their ideas in ways that can be heard. And uh, so I'd love for your listeners to play with them and share their next idea. And it doesn't have to be a big game-changing idea. You don't need to develop a new product. It's how do you just come to work every day saying, how could I make this better? And imagine if everyone on your team did that every week, how can I make this better? Will the impact on results and relationships you would have? So Karen, I have so enjoyed this conversation. My head has been nodding up and down. Yes, yes, yes. We need more of it. There are so many leaders, not only the C-suite leaders, the aspiring ones that need the help and support to develop those skills that sometimes we miss along the way. So I hope this is not the end of our conversation. We can continue to collaborate. But to my listeners, again, we hope that this conversation has been really helpful for you. And if you're really interested in taking the next step in your career or evolve or taking control of your career, please, please check out Karen's work as well as mine on the dropinceo.com website. And I just want to wish everybody listening amazing success. Karen, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and bringing the conversation to our audiences. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.